All right, good morning. If you're a visitor here this morning, a special warm welcome to you. I hope you've really enjoyed it so far. Maybe it's been a little bit different to what you've seen uh, from churches before, but I just hope you've enjoyed it. All right. Um, you might have come along today as friends or family of the babies, or there might have been a different reason you decided to come to church this morning. But whatever it is, I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope you've kind of felt relaxed and uh, not too kind of put on the spot. And don't worry this morning, I'm not going to spend too long speaking to you. Just about two hours or so, if that's all right. Jokes. There's a lot more of those to come. All right, just about 20 minutes or so, putting a lot of what's been said this morning into context. You see, we've invited a lot of friends and family this morning, and one common theme has come through. No one has any idea what a baby dedication is. All right. Last two months, my mum's been asking me every week, when's Eden's naming thingamajiggy? All right. Mum, she's got a name. All right, she's called Eden. <laughs> All right. You might be thinking, isn't this just a christening? Isn't this just a christening? Well, hopefully this morning, Simon has explained and put into context a little bit about what a baby dedication is. A big part of it was praying for the babies that they would grow up and would um, kind of want to learn more about God. Another part of it is praying for the parents. And believe me, Eden's just started crawling. All right. So we need your prayers. So she grabs things, she bites things, she touches things, wires feet, all kinds of stuff. So please keep those prayers coming. And hopefully what you've noticed this morning is that we haven't once said that these babies are now Christians. See, that wouldn't be fair, would it? These babies have got to grow up and make a decision to want to follow Jesus. So we hope and pray, and we've got responsibility as parents to teach them about the Christian faith. But ultimately, these guys are going to have their own decision to make one day about Jesus. The same decision that we as parents had to make at some point in our lives. And that's where I want to start this morning. I want to start talking about decisions. All right, I'm going to use one of the most famous stories out of the Bible. If you've ever been to a primary school assembly or to Sunday school, you'll know this story. We're going to be looking at the story of Zacchaeus. All right, it even has a little song, doesn't it? Zacchaeus was a very little. No, looking at me. <laughs> Wow, I've got a lot of evil looks there. <laughs> We're going to be looking at the story of Zacchaeus. And I want to talk about a man named Zacchaeus and the decision that he had to make after meeting Jesus. Let's read the story then. If you've got a Bible, we're looking in Luke uh, chapter 19. If not, the words are going to appear on the screen behind me and you can follow along as we go. All right, let's read. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him in gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times that amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and serve the lost. All right, I absolutely love this story. For a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is that it makes it okay to climb trees. It's right there in the Bible in black and white. You're allowed to go and climb trees, and who doesn't love climbing trees, right? 
But this morning, I want to focus on three separate people or groups of people in this story. All right, we're going to look at the crowds. We're going to look at the story through their eyes. We're going to look at Zacchaeus. And we're going to look at the story through Jesus' eyes. All right. The good thing about most church services is the talks come in three parts, okay, which is really helpful because it helps you keep up with the story. It's also helpful because you can see how close I am to the end of my talk. You'd be sad to know that we're not even on point one yet, so uh, <laughs> you've got a long way to go. So let me start looking at the story from the perspective of the people, the crowd. So at this point in the Bible, Jesus was starting to grow in popularity. So he'd started off in his hometown of Nazareth and had worked his way across the land, preaching to people about a radical new way to live. He was performing miracles and he was teaching people. You see, already before this point, Jesus had healed ten men with leprosy, he'd healed a crippled lady, he taught crowds about the importance of not worrying, he challenged some hypocrites and religious leaders and taught people a brand new approach to prayer. And that is why this guy was growing in popularity. People needed to get a glimpse of this guy. He was a celebrity and people found him fascinating. Literally, the verse before this story takes place, in Luke 18, Jesus healed a blind man on the outskirts of the city. So as Jesus entered Jericho, he was mobbed. Like, the only way to describe it is, imagine if One Direction walked into a little secondary school. Like, they were mobbed, yeah, screaming like that. They were mobbed, all right? Everyone wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. Do you know, it reminds me of when I was uh, 11 years old, um, and the Queen of England came on a visit to Darlow, Darlington, where I'm from. Can you believe that? The Queen of England came to Darlow. And I remember on the news all week, there was this massive build-up to the Queen coming. It was on the news, it was on the radio, the Queen is visiting Darlington. Why on earth would she do that? She was travelling around the country as part of her Jubilee celebrations and she visited Darlington. This was a big deal. And I know it was a big deal because we were let out of school early to go and see the Queen. And then forget it, we were let out of school early so it would go and see the Queen. Every kid except me. Because I was told to come straight home. So I sat on the bus, as I always did every day, going home. All right? And as we approached the town centre, I'll never forget it, a police car stopped our bus. All right? And the road had been cordoned off for the Queen. So I looked out on one side of me. The road was uh, lined with people cheering, celebrating, waving Union Jacks. I looked out on the other side of the road, same thing, people, Union Jacks, cheering. And then I put my nose against the glass of the bus window, and there I saw it. Right. The hand of the Queen sticking out of her car. People were mad. There was kids celebrating. Old men were crying. I might have made that bit up. But people were celebrating because that was the influence that the Queen has on British people. And that's just a bit of a comparison to how Jesus would have been seen and how people would have been feeling about Jesus. There would have been excitement, there would have been intrigue within the city as people flocked to see him. And it's important to say that not everyone in the crowd would have been for Jesus. See, some people would have been extremely worried about this potentially dangerous man and the claims that he was making. So religious leaders, politicians, these guys would have been worried about this man claiming to be the son of God. So although they would have been following him in the crowd, it would have been with great caution. 
And if you notice in this story, even though there were a lot of people in the crowd, we don't know anything about the vast majority of the people as individuals. It's like they're a side note to the story. So Zacchaeus, he's the headline act, he's the main man. But the crowd, they're just kind of there. The Bible even refers to them as the people. It's generic as that. And that's a point I want to make, going back to baby dedications. The people in the crowd hadn't made a decision either way. They were just kind of there. They were just kind of there. Maybe you can relate to that a little bit. You see, some people, they would have been happy to watch Jesus' miracles. They would have probably been happy to see him hanging out with sinners and people rejected by society because, after all, it's good to love people, yeah? They might have seen the change in the disciples' lives and thought how great it was without asking too many more questions. If you want to believe that, that's great. If you want to hang out with sinners, that's great. I'm really happy for you, but uh, that, that ain't for me. Can you relate to that? See, that's a common standpoint when it comes to Christianity in this country. See, not many people actually have that much of an issue with it. It just doesn't seem relevant to them. And that's how I felt when I was younger. I didn't particularly have anything against Christianity. I went to a Catholic school. I just kind of tolerated it. It was just kind of there. And if that's you this morning, if that's how you've come feeling, I want to encourage you just to keep listening to the rest of this story. Because Jesus doesn't leave that option open to us. Jesus makes himself relevant to everyone, as you'll see later on in the story. See, there'll be other people in the crowd as well who really disapproved of what was going on, probably thought that people were being brainwashed into a new way of thinking and a new way of living. These guys had a real issue with Jesus and they were already thinking, plotting and scheming about how to kill him. They were completely anti-Jesus. Can you relate to this one? See, for some people I know that coming to church today would have been difficult. Like I can almost imagine the conversation in your head in the car park on the way in. Do you know what? I'll be fine as long as no one tries to convert me. And if they do, I'm going to be there. I'm going to shout back at them. I might even punch them. <laughs> if that's you this morning, I just want you to carry on listening and see if you can see the real Jesus in this. And please rest assured no one's going to try and convert you. I promise. You can chill out. No one's going to try and convert you. My point about the crowd in the story is this. To be in a crowd means it's easy to avoid making a decision about Jesus. But if you never make a decision about Jesus, you're missing out on so much of what life has to offer. You're missing out on the greatest adventure that life could ever give. You see, in some respects, I think it's better to look into Jesus and decide he's not for you. And decide, actually, this isn't, this isn't for me. Because at least that way, you've thought about it. At least that way, you've studied it. I want to encourage you this morning, don't just be a generic member of the crowds. Don't go through life without ever thinking about the possibility that there could be more. Don't just be a where's Wally person, generic. All right, that's point one. The second person in the story is the main man, Zacchaeus. See, growing up and attending a Catholic primary school, I heard this story a hundred times. And I always kind of liked Zacchaeus. 
See, in my opinion, this was just a harmless little man who had to climb a tree to see Jesus. And I didn't grow till I was older. I've not really grown that much, but I was always quite short. So I had a lot in common with Zacchaeus. So I kind of liked him. But when you study the facts, this man was anything but a poor little man. This was a man who was hated by society. He had no friends at all, and this is why. See, Zacchaeus was a Jew who chose to work for the Roman Empire. That's his first mistake. See, Jews hated Romans. Rome ruled the Jewish land with an iron fist. People were scared of the Romans. So for one of their own people to sell out and choose to work for Rome, wow, that's snake behaviour. Gets worse, though. Zacchaeus was a tax collector who ripped people off. He used to collect taxes to give to Rome, but would always keep a little bit for himself. He'd charge people more and keep some for himself. And we can all relate to that, can't we? Because who likes paying taxes? We all hate a tax man. Honestly, I started a new job recently, and they gave me the wrong tax code. Two and a half hours I sat on the phone, the tax office, listening to ridiculous music. We hate the tax man, don't we? Imagine, though, if you paid tax every month and it just lined the back pocket of the guy you were paying it to, just some pencil pusher in the office, you would be fuming. That's how people felt about Zacchaeus. To make it worse, if it could get much worse for this guy, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was in charge of other tax collectors, probably responsible for recruiting new tax collectors to act as traitors to their people as well. Can you see a picture now of just how hated this guy was? So let's not kid ourselves and start feeling sorry for baby little poor Zach sat in his tree. All right, this was a bad, bad man. What I'll give him credit for, though, is that Zacchaeus had a decision to make, and he made it. You see, instead of just going along with the crowd, instead of just blending in and hearing from Jesus through the noise, he decided to run ahead and do something about it. He decided to run, climb up a tree for a better view. He wanted to see for himself what this Jesus was all about. Let me challenge you this morning. Have you climbed a tree? Have you taken a better look at Jesus? Have you decided that something about this guy is intriguing enough to explore further? Like, we all have a reason for wanting to find out more about Jesus. For me, it was when I found out that he was a loving father, something that I never knew growing up. For others, it's when they found out that he forgives them, even when they don't feel like forgiving themselves. For others, it's the fact that he brings joy. For others, it might be after seeing a change in a family member or a friend who's become a Christian. We all have a different reason for wanting to explore Jesus. But it's important, whatever that reason is, at some point, to get up in the tree and find out more. Alright, let's carry on with the story. As Jesus walks along and approaches Zacchaeus. He invites himself round for tea. Jesus definitely wasn't British, was he? You don't go inviting yourself round for tea. I'll talk more about that later. But in the end, at the end of the story, Zacchaeus has a huge change of heart. He decides to give half of his wealth to the poor and also give people back four times the amount he cheated them out of. I mean, that's some tax rebate, isn't it? Four times the amount he cheated them out of. What happened? What led to this change of heart? What led to this guy changing his whole life around after meeting Jesus? Let's look at this story through Jesus' eyes and and see. This is my final point. 
Let me have some water, though. Okay, so as Jesus enters Jericho, all right, surrounded by a crowd, as always, I always find it amazing that he even notices the chaos sat up in the tree. He's surrounded by a crowd of people. But he does. You see, Jesus has a habit of noticing people in the Bible, doesn't he? There's another story about a lady who, uh, in a crowd of people, reaches out and touches Jesus' clothes on the way past, and Jesus stops, picks her out of the crowd, and the heels are there and then. The point is that Jesus cares. And honestly, do you know what? Life in 2018, it, it can feel as lonely now as I'm sure it did for Zacchaeus. See, there's people, even today, who can feel kind of rejected a little bit. But let me tell you, the same comfort that Zacchaeus found in being noticed by Jesus can be felt by you. You see, Jesus knows you. And not only does Jesus notice him up in a tree, but he calls him by name. Like, just imagine the reaction of the crowd. You can almost hear the collective gasp of air as Jesus looks up at the most hated man in town, sat up in a tree, and calls him by name. People would have been furious. And you know what? There's something special about being called by name, isn't there? I remember this lady on reception at my old work. She called me Nathan for about six months. Like, you know when it gets to that point where you just start answering to it? Like, morning, Nathan. Morning. <laughs> I tried everything to convince her. I even got my name badge out and walked in like this. Good morning. How are you doing? No, it didn't work. Called me Nathan for six months. <laughs> but do you know what? There's something that's special about being called by name. It's personal. Like, imagine how that left Zacchaeus feeling. This guy knows me. This guy knows me. Not only that, but Jesus shouts up. He says, Zacchaeus, what are you doing up there, you big doyle? Come down and stick the kettle on. I might paraphrase that out of the Teesside Bible there. He says, Zacchaeus, get down from the tree. I'm coming round your house. And that is a part of the story which shocks people. You see, Jesus could have gone to anyone's house for tea. He could have taken a pick of anyone in the town. But no, he decides to go to the most hated man in town's house for tea. People would have hated that, especially super-religious people. How can he eat at this sinner's house? How can Jesus, who's claiming to be God, go and eat at this guy's house? And you might have come along today with certain expectations about what you have to be to be a Christian about the type of life you have to have before God will accept you, about the way people need to view you. Let me just stop. If you're thinking that this morning, let me just tell you right now that Jesus loves everyone. It's right there in black and white in the Bible. See, Jesus' love is available to everyone, good or bad, loved or unloved, well thought of or unwell thought of, worthy or unworthy, so please don't write yourself off Jesus because you think you can't live up to the standards. There are no standards. Jesus' love is for everyone. Now, I'm going to finish in a minute, I promise. All right? But I just want to read a quote from a book, if I could. It's one of my favourite books. It's called Jesus Is. Uh, and this is quite a long quote, but I'm going to put it on the screen behind me so you can follow along. All right? It says this. It says, By everyone's standards, Jesus was a good man. So making friends with bad people 
didn't make sense. Preaching at them, rebuking them, criticising them, mocking them, that was expected, even applauded. But sitting around the table, telling jokes and enjoying life together, that was shocking. That was tabloid material. But Jesus didn't care about the scandal. He cared about the scandalous. You can tweet that, by the way. Jesus didn't care about the scandal. He cared about the scandalous. He liked spending time with sinners. He was God and he was perfect, but he spent much of the three and a half years of his ministry hanging out with bad people. He talked with them, ate with them, cried with them and served them. He cared about them and listened to them. He offered unconditional hope and compassion. Healthy people don't need a doctor, Jesus said. Sick people do. And that is why he spent his time with the needy, the helpless and the depraved. He came down to their level because they could never rise to his. He wasn't out to prove how good he was or how bad they were. He just wanted to offer them hope. You see, I love that quote. Uh, if the band could come up, that would be great. So, you know, no matter who you are, and I promise I'm going to end now, all right, Jesus is available to you. See, the amazing thing about this story is that it impacts everyone. See, everyone in that town would have paid taxes. Everyone in that town would have got their money back. Jesus makes himself relevant to all of the people in this story. By impacting the life of one person, Jesus was able to impact a whole town. And you know what? The Bible doesn't say exactly what happens to the crowd in this story. But I'm confident enough to say they were all changed in some way. You can't be given back four times what you've been cheated out of and not be changed in some way. Jesus impacted everybody. Jesus made himself relevant for everybody. Looking back at Zacchaeus as well. See, somewhere in that conversation at the dinner table, Zacchaeus' whole world changed forever. And that is because, for the first time, he met love. He met grace. And maybe for the first time in his life, he met forgiveness. And Jubilee, when you encounter Jesus, things change. That's inevitable. You can't be the same after you've encountered Jesus. It's just not possible. Why? Because when you meet Jesus, you meet freedom. When you meet, when you meet Jesus, you meet love. You meet excitement. You realise that there's more to life than the nine to five. You realise that there's more to life about worry. You realise there's more to life than money. You realise that there's joy, there's hope, there's freedom, there's forgiveness. You realise that there's an adventure that you can go on. You realise there's something that the world can never offer you and that can only be offered by Jesus. So don't tell me you can encounter Jesus and not be changed. Ask anyone who's given a life to God. It's a turning point in an adventure that can't be matched. I am going to end. I want to encourage you today, if you've never got up into that tree and looked further into Jesus, give it a go. I mean, what have you got to lose? We have some books on the table at the back called Jesus, uh, Why Jesus, they're red books. Uh, talk about kind of who Jesus is. We run Alpha courses regularly. They're running churches across the country. We're running a Life Plus course in four weeks. Let me challenge you. Get up in that tree and look more into Jesus. Explore what it means to follow this guy. What was it about this guy that led to the most hated guy in town completely changing his life around? Let me go full circle to where I started today about baby dedications. 
Each of these babies will one day have the same decision to make. Why don't you think deeper into that decision before you make it? I mean, what have you got to lose at the end of the day? All right, listen, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing, and then we can go and eat cake, all right? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for this story, God. But I thank you so much that in this story, Lord, you chose to make yourself available to a down and out, to a guy hated by society, Lord. And by doing that, you made yourself available to everyone, God. And I thank you that when we meet you, Lord, we meet freedom, we meet joy, we meet love, we meet hope. God, I just want to pray for each of us as we leave today, Lord. Would we just, would we choose to think more about you, God? Would we choose to explore what it means to climb that tree and, and think that there could be more? Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for the babies, Lord. We thank you so much for this morning. And we just pray as we leave, would we go as joyful people, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.